in, in our Harbor Life classes, I ask people all the time, hey, how did you get connected to the Harbor? Tell me a little bit about your story. And almost every single time in the journey, they were like, I can't explain it. Doesn't mean we're a better church than some other church, but for whatever reason, in their heart, they were like, this is home. This is home. I want to show you a verse, Psalm chapter 68, verse 6 today, as we kick this off. It's a very powerful verse, and the psalmist is, is writing from his heart, right? He's, he's giving us a piece of himself. That's why I love the psalms. It's not just theology. It's like, it's emotion. It's it's from the depths, right? It's, it's from a deep place. The majority of these psalms were maybe written out of rejoicing, pain, sorrow, all, all of the emotions, right, of life. And so it's coming to us from that angle. And look what he says. He says, God sets the solitary in families. That's what God is up to. That's what God is all about. He's about taking a person, a family, an individual, a couple, whoever it is, and and setting them into the midst of a family when maybe prior to that they've been a place of loneliness or solitary confinement, if you will, right? And the word their family, it's bayith, which is the word house or Even it could mean palace. I'm going to expound on that in just a little bit. But he says he brings out those who are bound. So he brings us out of a system, out of a place, into the word there is prosperity. Now, here's what I want to just say up front. I know there's been a lot of abuse as it relates to teaching and ministry in what is called the prosperity gospel. And I'm not about that at all. Like, what's in it for us as it relates to, hey, give me, I want this, that kind of that realm, if you will. But I want to say this. I, I believe in prosperity in the truest sense of what the Word of God has to communicate about it. And we're going to look into that a little bit today. Because he says that the rebellious dwell in a dry land. In a dry land. Because when we, we're talking about home today, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, as it relates to church, some building or something. Actually, when you, when you look at the definition of home, it's, it's, it's a place of residence where we can reside, where we feel like we're a part of it. It's a familiar setting. There's a familiarity to home, right? It's a social unit. It's, it's, it's a place of origin. It could be a base or a headquarters for someone who is coming and going. It's all of those things. But when it comes to a healthy home, everybody say healthy. This is really important. We need healthy homes, healthy churches, healthy families. Would you agree? And when it comes to healthy homes, healthy churches, healthy families, it's all about the environment of those places. It's not about the furnishings, it's not about the activities, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about the environment. You could live in a grass hut on the other side of the planet with no electricity, no running water. That's for somebody else besides me. Can I get an amen? But you could live there. 
<laughs> you could live there. And you could be happy and prosperous in that place. Let me just pray just for a minute. Father, would you breathe life and understanding on the word of God? May the emotion of your heart that was expressed through a psalmist come and manifest itself in this room today. In Jesus' name. So God is moving on the earth and he's bringing people out. But he doesn't just bring people out, he brings them into something as well. It's not just a singular action, it's, it's, it's a dual action. I'm, I'm bringing you out of something and into something better. You know, there's a lie out there to a generation that says if you really give everything to God and come out of what you're in, the environment that you'll enter into is not going to be as fill-in-the-blank as your old environment, as fun, as exciting, as awesome, as fulfilling. Come on. Let's expose that lie today. That is the biggest lie on the planet. And for someone like myself who believed that, yes. That was amazing. <laughs> the other day we were walking, the true story, this, this, I'm not rabbit trailing here, but we were walking and Wendy was like, look at all these mango trees. And we don't have a mango tree. And she just goes, as we were walking by this tree that had these, you know, those, the ripe ones right now. There, and she goes, Lord, give me a mango. And one dropped right off the tree. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? Depart from me. I am a sinner. Seriously. And she went over and picked it up. We took it home. We ate it that night. But for someone who, 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 who tried that, that life, I remember, you know, when I was growing up in high school, and this is just, just a little bit about myself, you know, I, I never had a problem with loneliness. I, I had friends galore. I, it, was, it was more like, who, who am I going to choose not to be my friend? You know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm kidding. I, that's not how it was at all. But it was, it was <laughs> why did I say that? So awful. It's horrible. <laughs> that's terrible. That's something Tanya would say. Oh, yeah. I was looking at you when I said that. That's probably ju something jumped on. Point is, I wasn't lonely. Can I get an amen? But round about like my sophomore year, when, when I was really in, in, this, in this low, broken place, like I, 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 went, I was trying to find prosperity of soul, if you will. I was, I was, I was like, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing right now. So I tried everything. I mean, just kind of went in every different direction. And when I would go those directions, which was away from God at the time completely, I felt actually worse. And I remember when I, when I transferred from one university to, to another university, a massive school, 60,000 plus students, and I was standing in a stadium in the fall during football season, 75,000 
amazing, wonderful fans rooting on the best university in the entire country. Um, I remember thinking to myself, man, there's 75,000 people here. And I'm surrounded by multitudes. And I feel completely alone. I feel in total solitude right now. It's like, man, there could have been, I mean, the roar of the crowd wasn't making anything different in my heart. All it was was amplifying the fact that, man, I wasn't connected to any of these people. And, you know, I think when you come to that kind of spot in life and you've tried it all and and everything that you've given yourself to comes up wanting, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can, just get a little bit of wisdom. You have to say, man, there's got to be a, a better course and a better direction than this. So for me, there was this cry. It was like, God, if you are real, whoever you are, show yourself to me. And what's interesting about the Lord is when he shows himself to us, oftentimes he's going to reveal himself to us through a person. Let that sit in for just a minute. Because we think, oh, man, it's going to be some burning bush experience. And I'm not, I'm not saying we won't have those or we won't experience supernatural kind of things, if you will. But, but most often when it comes to God revealing himself to us, he shows up through a person's life. And there was this guy on the team, Wayne. I'll never forget him. He was the one Christian at my university. Seriously, out of 600 student athletes that were a part of um, the school that I went to, he was the only one that I remember that was actually standing up for real for Jesus. And he was taking the heat for it, man. You know what I mean? Like, he was taking the heat for not cursing, for, for not being a womanizer, for not doing all the things that everybody else was doing. And I remember I was just kind of like, you know, he confused me a little bit. I didn't really get him. But I remember seeing something when I looked into his eyes. Because here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, we're going to go into that verse that says the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink. It's not what we do, as Snyder was singing about, but it's about righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get some really good rev on that in just a minute. But when I looked at him, I couldn't have defined it at the time, but I remember feeling that he exemplified all three of those words. Something was just right about him. He had a peace about his life that I didn't. And there was a joy, a sincere joy, as Tanya was mentioning, that was exuding from him. And so God began to reveal himself to me through a person. I remember Wendy knows my two best friends when I had my conversion experience were Larry and Danny, Larry Parker and Danny Willis. They will forever be enshrined in my heart as my first true Christian friends that I began to walk with. It was like Jesus was there with me in these two guys. Relationship, connection, God using us to touch other people is a massive deal. It's a part of our journey. It's not someone just show. I never, listen to me, I never would have come into a church like this. Never. It wasn't until Wayne and Danny and Larry started to invite me into this, what I felt was a weird environment at first, 
called the church, if you will, a gathering like this, people that have been, had been called out of something and called into something better, it took some getting used to. Anybody else? Come on. Am I just? It was just different for me. I wasn't raised up in it. But God was using these people, and, and, and then next comes a mentor in my life, Mike Miller, who worked for Athletes in Action. He was ministering to, to college athletes on that campus, and he would come knock on my dorm room door every day. I didn't answer it every day, <laughs> but he came knocking. Thank God, every day he kept showing up, kept showing up. And he would sit down with me with the word, which was so confusing to me at the time. And he would just read some verses, and we'd talk about it. It began to open up to me. You see, the revelation of God comes through people. Comes through people. And it's through people that we get called out of stuff by the grace of God and into something better. And the word here is prosperity. Now, listen, here's the definition that I have. Prosperity is the condition of thriving. Did you know that you can thrive in life? It's, it's not only thriving, it's, it's where you grow, where you become a better person or a bigger person and who you were always intended to be more today than you were yesterday. It also means that you're flourishing. Did you know that you can thrive, you can grow, and you can flourish and still have major problems that go on all around you? Come on. You know, see, prosperity doesn't mean that, man, all your problems are going to go away or that you're going to all of a sudden just have all this money or something like that. No, it means that you are thriving in life, that you are growing despite what comes against you, that you are flourishing on this planet. Come on. There's verses in the Old Testament that say stuff like this over the body of Christ. They say that we will be the what? Head and not the... Do we believe that? Like this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be thriving. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be flourishing. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail in this life. And even when we get hit by whatever realm of persecution or spiritual stuff, which is very true, very real, it doesn't stop God because his kingdom cannot be stopped. Ugh. Now, here's the deal. When you've tasted, come on, go there in your heart with me emotionally. When you've really tasted the beauty of a healthy home, if you will, the house of God, it will change your life and wreck you forever. I will forever be indebted to this thing called the church. I have no disillusionment in my heart as it relates to church. I know there may be some things that need to change. There may need to to be some things that God does in and through us to to see the kingdom of God flow through our lives, to touch a world in, in maybe a more functional, relevant way. I understand all of that, but for me, man, home, I found my home in Jesus. I found my home in his bride, in his church. And if you look at the psalmist again in Psalm 27 verse 4, look what he says. So, so amazing. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, and the one thing that I seek the most. Come on, he could have said anything. 
He could have, he could ask for anything. It's like that that you know deal when 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 you meet the genie and you get the one request. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'll give you anything that you ask. And this is where the psalmist is at. He said, "Listen, there's only one thing that I want, and there's only one thing that I seek, and it's to live in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life." Because when you've tasted of another and found the emptiness of that place, when you were in one environment and you were pulled out of it and brought into a new environment and your life got impacted, you see, church is not about a meeting or another religious ritual. It's about change and transformation and flourishing of the human heart. Come on, I need some amens or something. That's what it's about. And he said... When I'm in there, I'm going to delight in the Lord's perfections. There's righteousness. And I'm going to meditate in his temple. I'm going to ponder. I'm going to ponder joy. I'm going to ponder all of the attributes that you want to bring to my life. I'm going to meditate on it as I'm in that place. So turn with me to Romans 14, 17 as we wrap this up. Because he, Paul, who knew religion in a bad way, he even knew the, the, the poor environment of that reality when he was brought into God's house by an experience and an encounter with Jesus himself. He says, the kingdom of God, because that's what the house is, right? It's, it's, it's the kingdom. Is not a matter of rules. He says here about what we eat or drink. It could be any rules, really, at the end of the day. But it's the realm of the Holy Spirit. Got to catch that language. It's about the atmosphere. It's about the environment. If you're stuck in rules, you're going to miss flourishing, growth, prosperity that God has. If you're stuck in that space, it's about, man, I'm giving because I I just absolutely have to give. It's like my obligation. No, when God gets a hold of you and then you become generous out of a flourishing heart, it begins to change everything, right? So it's not about the rules. It's about an environment. It's about an atmosphere. It's about the culture of a house. It's about, and that starts with the culture of our hearts. That's why God goes after our heart. He goes after our heart. He goes right for the heart. In the realm of the Holy Spirit, it will be, look at this language, filled. Not just, you're going to get a little bit of this. Like, come on. It will be filled. Darren, maybe you're overthinking this a little bit. Maybe you're a little zealous here. Maybe you're taking this whole Jesus thing a little too seriously. Nope. He says here that the kingdom of God is not what I do, but it's the realm of the Holy Spirit that is filled with righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So when I'm thinking about home today, and we're talking about it's good to be us and what we're trying to shape here, what God is busy doing, we're talking about these three words right here. Righteousness, joy, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So quickly, righteousness. 
Because that's a religious terminology. We don't understand what that actually literally means. It literally means to make things right. Super simple, right? Have you ever been, like, you kind of just get it. You're like, man, this is just wrong. This is just messed up. Good. Then God wants to come and bring his righteousness, and he wants to make things right. I'm not really enjoying my life right now, doing this, that, and the other. It's just wrong. It's just messed up. Good. The righteousness of God wants to come into your house, your heart, and he wants to make things better. He wants to prosper you. He wants to pull you into a new atmosphere out of the one that you're in. Listen, there is nothing more just debaucherous to your soul. I don't even, that's not the right word. There's nothing more conflicting to your soul than to be living in two realities. In fact, I encourage us, choose one or the other. Like, go for it full force. I'm like, sometimes people that are kind of tiptoeing, I'm like, man, if you think that's awesome, go for it and see how good it works out for you at the end of the day. I'm sure I'll get an email on that statement. Amen. I'm not telling you to sin, all right? You're already there. Just keep on going. And then get back to me. Because, man, when you're fired up, when you're like, God, I need a new home. Look what Romans says. For the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many, but greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, Romans 5, 17, will live in triumph over sin and death. Oh, my God. Death and sin is ruling in the world right now. And here's a verse that says you can live in triumph over it. Not just, oh my gosh, maybe we'll make it through. Maybe I'll get to tomorrow. No, you are called to live in triumph over death. We're death's enemies. We are dangerous people to death. Death fears us. Do you understand? He continues. I had to read this next verse. He says, yes. Verse 18. Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. That's where we normally focus. But read a little further. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life to everyone. Calm down, Darren. (laughs) No, I won't. (laughs) Am I talking to myself? How about peace? We're going to pass out communion here as we continue. This is amazing. When I looked at this definition, it means to be joined to the fruit of prosperity, which specifically means being at rest. Your soul is peace because it's like, man, how can you connect with this peace that surpasses all understanding where it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? It's actually where you start to experience the fruit of prosperity. And you start to settle and you find rest in your soul for the first time. I mean, what I'm, what I'm finding out is the more Wendy and I live this thing called Christianity, that we're just more at rest than we've ever been. 
just breathing deep, as Megan was singing about earlier. In his presence, just breathing deep. Colossians says, and let the peace, chapter 3, verse 15, that comes from, come on, oh, you got to hear this. Let the peace that comes from Christ. Now, listen, when we read that, we often think, oh, that comes from Jesus. He's in heaven and comes from Jesus. Actually, that's not true. Where is Christ right now if you're a believer? Where? Inside of you. You mean you already possess the peace of Jesus? You see, we're looking for some other exterior thing to come and visit us. And God's like, it's already in you. His name is Jesus. And his peace resides on the inside. I just need to pull it out. I just need to pull it out. He said, for as members of one body, you are called. Oh, so it's not just for one person to enter into a place of rest. It's for all of us. So we should be, come on, come into rest. Come into rest. Calm down. Come into rest. Calm your spirit. Christ rules over all things. Come into rest. And then he says, always, these are extreme words, always be thankful. Darren, I just want all my problems to go away. You know what? I found some of my most restful moments in Jesus in the midst of problems, in the midst of storms. We're trying to live storm-free lives. That's a false gospel. There aren't storm-free lives. Jesus went into a storm with his disciples, and he packed a pillow before he even got in the boat. Because he was going to teach them that this is how it's going to look like when you live in me. The inner reality of your rest, which is me on the inside of you, is going to quiet every single storm that's raging on the outside of you. Get into your boat called the kingdom of God and your journey in life. And you go right out into the midst of that storm. And then you just breathe out what's been breathed into you. They were amazed in that moment because they were like, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You guys hold on to that communion. (laughs) You see, thankfulness enriches the soil of our environments to bring forth flourishing growth. Is anybody listening to me today? You see, when you're thankful... You see, you're already in a good environment right here. You want to know why? Because we're in union and our souls are at rest. We're tapped into Jesus. We're sold out 100%. So it flows down right from there, okay? Now, if you come in and you're thankful, come on, there's, there's a lot of reasons to not be thankful, right? We could pick out like, oh, I don't want to thank But when you thank God, even in the midst of struggle, it's like adding miracle grow. It's like adding miracle grow. Just start thanking God for everything. Reframe everything. Relook at everything. If it has a negative connotation on it, reframe it and thank God for what you can find good in the midst of all that stuff. Sorry, I just felt some dwelling on that. Last one, joy. I love this definition. It's the emotion evoked by well-being. It's like when you start to see the flourishing When you start to see the growth, when you start to see the prosperity, joy comes over you because you're like, my God, this is real. 
Darren, why are you so happy? Because I believe that what I'm a part of is more real than anything I've ever known. It's that real to me. It's beyond real. It's the realest thing. You can't even see Jesus, Darren. What are you talking about? You can't even see God, and you're sold out. Yeah, because I see the work that it's done in my life for 25 years. And I've gotten better and 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 better. Not because I was bringing something to the table. Actually, when I was faltering, he brought something in and pulled it out of me. (sighs) Colossians 1.11, we pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power. So you will have endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. For he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. You know what that inheritance is? Take a look around you. Everything. The meek shall inherit the earth. Do you understand what we're stepping into here? We're not, this is bigger than a job promotion. This would be bigger than becoming the next millionaire or billionaire. We're going to rule over the planets with God. We're going to have a salvation call at the end for most of you in the room today. I'm joking. For he has rescued us, verse 13, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I just remembered, I, I, I got to show you guys something, okay? So we're going to actually, in just a minute, we're going to show this video piece because I, I, there was this movie in 2002. Do you remember it was called Antoine Fisher? Some of you were just like three years old back then, 2002. That makes me feel really old. But it was, it was a movie with Denzel Washington in his first directorial debut where he directed and starred in the film as a psychiatrist and he meets this troubled young man who's in the Navy And his father died before he was born. He was murdered. His mom, who was a a teenager, was incarcerated when he was born. He was born in the jail. And two years when she was supposed to get out and come and reclaim him, she just never went and found him. And so he ended up in an orphanage and then in a foster home for the majority of his teenage life, up until 14. And so it's a true story. It's a true story about this man's life. And he was abused verbally, emotionally, physically. And so when he went in the Navy, he had this anger. This, he, this environment on the inside was, was raging in him, right? And the psychiatrist, Denzel Washington, tells him, listen, you got to go find your family and you got to make peace with this. So he discovers that his dad is dead. He goes with his girlfriend to, the, to I think it was uh, Cleveland, I think so, somewhere like that, somewhere up north. And he finds his aunt, and she says, oh, my God, your mom actually lives very close to us. Your father's passed away. So he goes and sees his mom, who's this drug addict. She's still not doing good. She's just covered over in shame for not going back to her son. And while he's at his mother's house, his girlfriend brings all of his family together from the aunt, cousins, you know, aunts and uncles, the mother of his father. And I want you to see this just real quick. It's a very powerful scene in this movie. You know, when I, 
when I watched that, and this is just maybe me the way I watch movies, but I, I was like, his grandmother, the mother of his father, was like the Holy Spirit, you know. And he's coming into this new environment. And there's food and there's family. And it feels familiar to him, even though he had never known any of these people his entire life. And imagine grandma, she's like thinking about her son who's been gone for 18 years. And when she sees Antoine walk in, she sees her son when she sees him. This is a message for another time. But as we take communion, the broken body and the blood of Jesus makes us look like his son. And when we're brought into family, Holy Spirit, it's like everything just becomes familiar again, you know. He had been lost. He had been wayward. He had been in a bad environment. He was angry. But in one moment, because a father figure told him to go find his family, there was space that was made for him. Could you just close your eyes with me as we... Think on the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life so that we could find life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've prepared a banqueting table for us, even in the midst of our enemies and our failure and our brokenness. And there's cousins and there's friends and there's aunts and uncles, and there's patriarchs that have gone before us. And we just want to breathe deep today. I want to have Megan just sing that out, and then we're going to take home an environment that brings us out of something and into something so much better.